2012. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have discounts that start at 38 and they go up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trades. An example on this episode is on the Spider-Man Complete Ben Riley Epic Trade Volume Number 5. In this one, Peter Parker is in the hospital and Ben takes over the webs. And it reprints Amazing 414 to 416, along with Sensational 7 to 10, Spec 235 to 239. Adjectiveless Spider-Man 71 and 72, Spider-Man Team-Up number 4, and Spider-Man Unlimited number 13. Now, the cover price for this trade is 40 bucks. Mail order has it for just $24.79, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Also add them on Facebook. Just type in MailOrderComics in the search bar. Welcome back, gang. We join this podcast with JR for this month in Spider History for May. Mary Jane. May 1976, JR, for this month in Spider History. Amazing Spider Man, number 156, came out this month. Uh, this is called On a Clear Day. You can see The Mirage. Written, which, you, for you young kids, that's an s- old song. On a clear day, rise and look around. Okay, sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, Lynn Ween wrote it. Uh, Ross Andrew penciled it. Uh, John Romita Sr. did the cover. Betty Brandt and Ned Leeds got married on in this issue. Ta- take us there, JR. May 76. I was one. <laughs> I was 12 years old. I was in the seventh grade. Yeah. I almost feel like I should turn this one over to Batoni because uh, he uh, obviously he's the, the Betty Brandt expert, or I should say the Betty Brandt psychoanalyst. Uh, and I think he's also the one who actually wrote the review on this for Sam Ruby, um, you know, uh, some time it, ago. Really? Um, but for Tony, did you do that? Yeah, no. uh, that was the first site I was in. Have, I was ever um, a, a like staff on for Spider Man, and um, I reviewed that issue when I was like sixteen or seventeen. But it was Al Soldier Sam. So, uh, but what I, was that? I, I, I couldn't hear you. It, the review at the bottom says, by Al Soger Zamp. That's not well, that's because you're on Spider Fan. He was on <laughs> Sam Ruby. Oh, my bad, my Dumbass. bad, my bad. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh! <laughs> and we just lost Zach. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> For every, every episode, someone takes a shot at me. Bertone, I mean, uh, Don did it with Black Cat, by the way. Uh, anyway, this story, it, rather than rather than um, uh, on a clear day you could see Mirage, it really should be called uh, Mysterio called and he wants his gimmick back. Um, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, uh, I, I was only 12 years old, and I remember I actually remember coming home from school and this issue being home for me. My mother had picked it up. I don't know why. I do not. Strangely enough, I mean, it's hard to believe, but I do not have cataloged memories of every time I received an issue of Amazing Spider-Man. But for some reason, I do remember getting this one. But I was in the seventh grade anyway. So this is why I don't quite, I didn't quite understand this next, this next joke as it comes along is basically Peter is still living in his apartment in Chelsea. And uh, so he lands on the rooftop, and Mrs. Muggins is his landlady, and she attacks him thinking he's a sex pervert. And uh, <laughs> so she's hitting him with her, you know, she's taking her broom and just absolutely, you know, uh, clobbering him. And he, he, fall, he falls out, you know, he falls off the building and then kind of hides, clings out of sight. And then Mrs. Muggins says, uh, you know, she's going to have to listen to her husband, Barney, um, you know, about the medicinal nips that she's been taking in the morning. And then, and then <laughs> Spider-Man says, well, bless your besotted, you know, basically he says, bless your old besotted ass. You know, you're not going to wonder. And I, you know, that just flew by me. I just didn't get it. And then I realized now it's like, well, heck, the old lady was drunk. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Well, that Mrs. Muggins. That Mrs. Muggins. She got basically she got up and she got first thing does she gets up and she gets wasted. Um, there you go. And, and of course, there's a re, the reference to husband Barney, often referenced, never seen until the I don't think in Bertoni Bertoni can back me up on this. Maybe we see him at the very end when Peter and Mary Jane move out because he's the guy that spikes the punch. Uh, but there was another okay. reference to, to husband Barney. Also in this issue, we see this shabby-looking vagrant um, who's talking to himself and some invisible stalker. Okay, We've seen him a couple of times before. It's oh, yeah. pretty obvious who he is, uh, and it is revealed uh, and uh, later in the issue. But anyway, but it, but, uh, so we've got this mysterious uh, vagrant hanging around. Um, and obviously, it's the, Ned and, and Betty are getting married. There's all kinds of stuff that doesn't make any sense. Who's, who's the stranger, by the way? Is it is it the that's, Glenn that's the end. That's the end. You know, oh. here here's the guy. Here's the guy who says in the, the, our little write-ups when we start talking about the Avengers. I haven't gone seen it yet. Don't spoil it for me. And, you know, and, and so here I am, three pages in this issue, going, and he's going, Oh, who's the vagrant? Who's the vagrant? Uh, Jr. Thirty-year-old spoilers, you bastard. <laughs> Well, yeah, but everybody's seen the Avengers, but you. So we'd be, they'd be talking about it would spoil nobody but you. You know, <laughs> we just lost Jr. Oh. <laughs> anyway, oh, there's so much to make fun of here because you know there's there's there is actually a good scene, a good uh, full page picture where it shows all the principals coming to the wedding. It shows Jonah getting ready and and you know getting ready in his, his own inimitable way, which is actually very funny. Uh, the Robertsons coming out of their house and Flash coming out of where he lives. And Liz comes out of her house, but Liz is saying, back in high school, I was sure that Peter and Betty made the perfect couple. And I'm thinking, really? Liz thought that? You know, I mean, you know, and then, then Peter is Ned's best man, you know, and and, uh, and it's like see, that doesn't make any sense. It's, it's like, the plot. Well, the wedding party. It's like these are Peter's friends. Like, why is Ned Leeds and Betty Brand thinking? Oh, we gotta invite Anna Watson. You know, this important person in our lives that we spend so much time with. <laughs> And at this point, Liz <laughs> Allen had not interacted with Betty Brand since Amazing Spider-Man 25, the Spider Slayer issue, where they're, like, yelling at each other. So it's... Yeah, Betty and Rocket style. Yeah. It's, why are all these people being invited? Flash Thompson! <laughs> anyway, continue, <laughs> JR. <laughs> well, that's why I say, and like I said, that's one reason I picked this month, is because I know Josh is going to have some fun perspectives on it as well. Uh, but yeah, Peter's Ned's best friend, you know, and wait, wait these guys, you know, I, did these guys ever even talk to each other since issue number 40 when, when uh, Peter told Ned that he was officially out of the picture with Betty? I mean, <laughs> oh, well, they did talk a little bit when Ned said that uh, he found out that Gwen Stacy, that Gwen was the clone, but that, anyway. And then Mary Jane is, is Betty's maid of honor, you know? I mean, For no reason. Yeah, well, you know, but then, it's random. then again, as batshit crazy as Bertoni makes Betty out to be, you know, <laughs> I guess that fits. You know, oh, Mary Jane, you know, back in issue 129, we had a talk about Peter. I'd like you to be my maid of honor. You know? <laughs> so, I, I guess that works. Uh, you know? And then, like the narration says, no bride has ever looked lovelier. You know, I'm I thinking, know. <laughs> it's like, geez, Lynn, you know, you ever, you, did you, did you go to many weddings? Did you see, anyway, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, and, and okay. Anyway, the villain is Mirage. Oh, okay. So Mir- Mirage's get up <laughs> is that he, he's got these little wings on his head, you know, they're like, <laughs> like they're, well, they're not really wings. They're little they look like handlebars. Yeah, they're like little handlebars. You know? And he, he, um, he, um, oh, Zach dropped. Now, usually if a woman who's nine months pregnant says that, I say, oh, Jesus, we better get the doctor on the phone. But uh, uh, I guess he's not talking about that. Um, but anyway. <laughs> um, so, you know, anyway, so what he does is his little triangles on his head, like, sparkle and make it appear that he's in different places that he's really not. Hence, Mirage. And, and like mm-hmm. I said, hence, you know, Mysterio wants his gimmick back. Um, so, anyway, here's another wonderful absurdity. Remember, Mary Jane has known the entire time that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, right? Yes. Yes, she's known the entire time. So... The lights, see, one, Peter, you know, when the bad guys come in, Peter says, oh, shit, I'd better change the Spider-Man, you know, because I, I, I wore my uh, Spider-Man uh, costume under this tuxedo. <laughs> hey, you know, you know. In case something goes down. <laughs> Great foresight on my part. But that, that's the thing. That, 
But that's what I mean, we accept. It. I mean, that, that's kind of one of the things we accept. And for a penny, and for a exactly. pound on that one. But you know, yeah. but he, so he turns the lights out, and then the lights come back on, and Mary Jane says, "Hey, where's Peter?" So right now in the essentials, she yeah yeah she she knows that Peter's Spider-Man. So what does she do? She does the, the, the she calls attention to the fact that he's not there. Just a Spider-Man is entering the room. So, yeah. I, I, Damn it, <laughs> but I, I do I do like the fact that Gary Jerry Conway retconned it that she knew the whole time. I, I did like that. I think it makes more sense. But that's what makes looking at these old stories fun. Really, is you know you you do yeah. that. And then you know, like saying, um, oh, that's, that's, I didn't mean it, but it's like you know, it's basically her saying, oh, I never knew, rather than protecting his identity. Yeah. And of course, now you guys have been on me because I've been making these obscure references. So anyway. Here we go. This is where being so old counts. Spider-Man, you know, they said, you say, who turned out the lights? And Spider-Man walks in and says, do the name Ruby Begonia ring a familiar note there, Chuckles? See, I don't even get that one, Jerry. No, well, of course, through the, I did found this out through the miracle of the Internet, of course. He was referring, <laughs> and this is funny, he was refer. it's a reference to a line from the Amos and Andy show. Oh my, oh my gosh! gosh. You, you remember Amos and Andy, you know? Yeah. Uh, which is now, of course, almost like a metaphor for racist radio and television. <laughs> um, Amos and Andy was about a group of, I guess, somewhat underemployed, undereducated African American gentlemen. Um, but um, anyway, I don't quite exactly know the reference, but uh, but Amos and Andy actually has been pretty well maligned these days for being racist. So anyway, so now even in the seventies, that's an old reference. It, well, it is, but, <laughs> but so Spider Man is is yeah. coming in and making a reference, and I think Sammy Davis Jr. might have appropriated it later and laughing. So anyway, so so I'm thinking, oh great, you know, you know, obviously thirty something years later, Spider Man wouldn't be saying this. You know, it'd be like you know him walking into a room and doing Jack Benny's uh, uh, servant Rochester. Yes, boss. Yes, boss. Or, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, if someone says, is everything okay, Spider-Man? And Spider-Man puts up a big circle. Oh, Tay! Oh. <laughs> oh. Wow. That would be bad. Yeah, so it's it just kind of interesting. Again, looking back 30-something years, he's making a reference to a show that has since then been, been <laughs> pretty, you know, well condemned exactly. for, you know, but for being a product of his time. But anyway. Okay. So anyway, here's the thing. Mirage, you know, keeps um, disappearing and, and appearing. It reappearing and you know and he he always come pops up and hits Spider Man and Spider Man says oh man I I can't follow this guy I can't track this guy what am I going to do even though I've beat Mysterio a hundred times well how am I going to handle this guy who's only got one gimmick you know so Spider Man he says aha I've got it he goes to a, the ceiling and he pulls <laughs> off this massive chandelier. Okay, he says, well, since there's all kinds of mirages running around, I will just drop this megaton chandelier on everything and <laughs> everything, everybody. in it, you know, hopefully all the innocent people have already gotten out of the way as I drop this thing. <laughs> and, and, so, and so he drops this massive chandelier on the whole room and it just smashes everywhere. And as you can see, you can see like the little fake mirages kind of disappear and you can see the real mirage, you know, getting crushed. Okay. But we, as we know, Spider-Man is not a killer. So Spider-Man, he just, in, in, he just had to know he couldn't kill Mirage. And you know why? Because as Spider-Man goes down and examines him, Spider-Man says, the metallic shell of integrated circuitry he wore under his costume protected Joy Boy from the brunt of the impact. So, uh, you know, it's good that Spider-Man knew that he had all this metallic shell of integrated circuitry to protect him. So, you know, it's, I, don't, you know I don't know how he figured that out, but he just knew because otherwise, I mean, Spider-Man wouldn't just drop a to you know a ton of chandelier on somebody would he but now of course anyway if now here's another if you're keeping track of all the dumbass names nicknames that spider-man gives people this issue um i've, I've counted up to six so far okay um and, you know and watch it as he addresses these henchmen he calls them chuckles sweetums bright eyes <laughs> twinkles laughing boy and joy boy so you know <laughs> spidey's in real 
true form. So, so he beats Mirage. He he defeats Mirage. You know, Ned and, and Betty are getting married. Oh, and also this issue is known for when Harry Osborn tries to keep one of Mirage's goons from stealing Liz's purse and gets swatted away. Plot point because that becomes the incident where Liz refers to later you know, as when she started to notice Harry. So there is a, a significant uh, happening here. Oh, okay. So anyway, well, Ned and Betty get married, and they're going to have a happy marriage. What, what, Bertone? Two people that never should have been invited to the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Ned, True. So Ned and Betty are now going to go overseas and have just this happy, wonderful marriage, and it's all just wonderful and good. So anyway, so Aunt May, Aunt May actually catches the bouquet. So, yeah. <laughs> so Betty must have known she was going to marry JJJ Sr., you know, uh, years before, you know, like, you know, after sleeping with JJJ Sr. and Willie Lumpkin. And, well, she didn't sleep with Nathan Lubinsky. She probably just rubbed him when she was giving him baths. But, woo! Woo! <laughs> anyway. Oh, my God, no. Oh, God, JR went there and got a, got a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Aunt May, have mercy. Aunt May is going to go home for a nice, quiet dinner, and she's going to watch Tony, Orlando, and Dawn. <laughs> oh. Okay, another seven. Knocked three times on the ceiling, yeah. Tony, Orlando, and Dawn. That was actually a TV show. Apparently, it was better than Pink Lady and Jeff, but, you know, who's counting? Uh, anyway, <laughs> so... But Aunt May's got a visitor. Do, do, do. It's the vagrant, you know, and the vagrant is Doctor Octopus. There you go. Uh, uh, thank you, Jr. He survived the nuclear explosion that Bertoni referred to last time when Bertoni was Bertoni was counting off the number of times Doc Ock had died. So, you know, and this is the start of an exciting three-parter, which also features the ghost of Hammerhead and Peter and Doc Ock sharing a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. This issue has got more more fun. I you know this also has on the letters pages. It also has the Series B Marvel value stamp. Oh, okay. Marvel value stamps. I do. I do. I do because I devalue. I don't know how many of those goddamn things cutting those stamps out. Oh my god! And ruining your book. Yeah. My god! I am so mad at myself. It's like, oh, why did I do this? But what did you what did you use the value stamps for? Refresh. I have no idea. You were supposed to like <laughs> you're supposed to like lick them, I think, and paste. You know, which is yeah. which is why the Mary Jane Watson one tasted better than the Hulk one. But anyway, <laughs> oh. yeah, I don't know. You're supposed to post them in a book or something. And I guess the Series A was like a hundred stamps. Number one hundred was Galactus. You know, they were individual characters. And I guess Series B was like they were pieces of a of a bigger picture. Like in this particular issue, it's eighty number eighty three. But it's clearly a bigger picture of like the Hulk doing something, you know, and it's like, you know, Marvel value stamps. And then this issue also has an ad for just fruit pies. Oh, yeah, baby. Some dude is dre- <laughs> these are some dude dressed up as Daredevil is going around stealing. And Foggy's going, what are, what, you know, what's, gee, what's, what's going on? Why is Daredevil stealing? And Matt, uh, you know, doesn't know, you know, he's got, he's got to the bottom of this. He, he, he has a foolproof plan. He's going to put a bunch of hostess fruit pies in an office window. He's going to be able to resist stealing them. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I love the fruit pie ads. Thief, My God, the thief breaks into uh, <laughs> the, the thief breaks into the off the building, steals a host oh, God. of pies, and Derek of does the drop on him. So, oh wow! This was a, and yet we yet we love those fruit pie ads. My God, I love. I mean, those we. I, I do. I, Jr. used to love those things, didn't you? I always read those. Oh, oh. 400 calories and 70 grams of sugar in them. Oh, my God. Oh, they were delicious. Oh, and All right. Also came out this month. Yeah, Thank you to Spider-Man. Does, does, I, I just want to make sure. Does Virginia have yeah. any final words on this since this is a, yeah. a, pen- this this is is a, a key, key moment in the life of Betty Brandt? Very true. What do you got? It's one thing I noticed when I reviewed this a long time ago is even though it's like a key thing in the life of Betty Brandt, she's pretty much like Mirage could have been attacking anything. Like Betty and Ned don't really do much to that issue. I think Betty has, like, one line the Jameson at the end, like, Mr. Jameson, isn't it time for us to get married? And, uh, like J.R. said, they're off to their honeymoon, which Betty stays on for all of, uh, you know, five minutes. Why, did Mar- Why was Mirage there? Why did he attack? Rich people. Money. Yeah. 
I mean, lots, Betty, lots of Betty and Slade's aren't rich, though. No, but there were other weddings going on in that building. Oh, I see. He was like ransacking the building. I mean, and it goes along with the whole supporting cast thing that, um, you know, you just assume that because all the supporting cast members know Peter, they automatically all know each other and all hang out with each other without Peter, but... There is no reason why, like, Betty and Ned, when they're playing their wedding list, like I said, like, yes, Anna Watson, oh, and that girl is Alan that you used to hate so much. Let's invite her, and uh, um, remember your ex-boyfriend, Peter, who's going to be my best man? Didn't he have a roommate who who had a drug break? And then, like, afterwards, there's, like, a moment of silence, and Ned and Betty are saying, we really don't have any friends, do we? No. (laughs) And uh, that's, that's why they waited so long to get married, because, like, they realized they didn't have any friends, and so they... They waited a few years to make a lot of friends, and <laughs> how many how many issues did we go when they first met to now? How, oh. When did the, Betty and Ned first meet? They got engaged like really fast. Like he shows up in um, issue eighteen of Amazing, and then like okay. he goes to Europe in issue twenty, and he's back in issue twenty nine, and proposes in issue thirty, and then Betty like says to Peter, "Oh," and then like Betty says to Peter, "Ned proposed to me. Is that okay?" And then he flips his you know lid and. But um, she accepts his engagement. I think it's the issue right after Mary Jane shows up. Like they're showing Frederick Foswell the the engagement ring, and that's like forty something. So forty two to one fifty six, they're engaged. Yeah, yeah, they were engaged for years. But I mean, and they, they they didn't do anything for a long time. Betty was just like in the background, you know, like when they had the Daily Bugle scene, and Ned was basically the go to reporter after Frederick Foswell died. Christ. Yeah, it also came out this oh, month. Hang on a second. I got, I'm sorry, Brad, okay. but I got one more observation to make here since we're yeah. we're already talking about politically incorrect here. Um, okay. <laughs> you, you have to read, there, there truly is an ethnic, ethnic melting pot going on here in this building because there's all kinds of weddings. First of all, Mirage and his goons, they interrupt the Shapiro wedding. And if you don't know it's a Jewish wedding by the fact that all everybody's wearing beanies, okay, you have a character saying oy vey. So, oh. you, know, you know, so. And then they go to the Jabbar wedding, which are African, oh. African-American people getting married. So I'm assuming that, you know, the, Lynn could only, th- you know, he had been watching basketball because he said, oh, okay, I'll use that name to describe for African-Americans, you know, because, you know, every, you know, and then the last one they crash is the O'Hara wedding. And I think all they got was a bunch of old whiskey in that wedding. But uh, anyway, so anyway, just, just one observation about 156. It's 76, 1976, man. Times are so different. <laughs> Uh, also came out this month, uh, Marvel Tales 67, where JR was just talking about that, that reprinted where he goes to London, ironically enough. I thought that was kind of, kind of cool. We just talked about that. Uh, let's see, um, Marvel, also, Marvel Team Up 45, Marvel Team Up 45, where Spidey teams up with a Kill Raven, and this one's written by, uh, Bill Matlow, penciled by Sal Buscema. And the cover art by Gil Kane. Tell us about this one, Jr. Oh, this was actually a very disappointing story uh, for a number of reasons. Um, first of all, let me set the stage, <clears throat> as I am wont to do uh, with annoying frequency. This is actually <laughs> just this story just ended. Uh, ty- you know, I, I guess, it, or actually, is the beginning of a new story. The previous one was a Titanic four-parter in which Spider-Man, the Scarlet Witch, the Vision, Doctor Doom, Doctor Doom, Do- that's another villain, Doctor Doom, <laughs> and Patrick Stewart's favorite woman, Moon Dragon, uh, because they're both bald. Uh, you know, so you know, make it so, JR. Yeah, make it. You know, <laughs> Moon Dragon, another one of those great new Marvel heroes that we just couldn't wait to see Spider-Man team up with. Uh, <laughs> You know, oh yeah, another, and she was a member of the Avengers. You know, Spider Man, Spider Man was wasn't fit to be a member of the Avengers. But you know, Moon Dragon, Silver Claw, Jack of Hearts, Sandman, Ray. You know, anyway. Um, yeah. So anyway, they all went back in time to the Salem Witch Trials of 1692. Okay, that's where I'm going if I got a time machine. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Well, it, uh, see, the, you forgot it, the Dark Rider. You know, uh, no relation, not 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 the evil David Hasselhoff, uh, but the Dark Rider. Uh, kidnapped Scarlet Witch because she was a witch, and okay, blah blah blah. So anyway, Salem Witch Trials. So they defeat everybody, you know, and and so Spider-Man is actually sitting by himself in front of Doom's time machine because, as you know, in the Salem Witch Trials, uh, a lot of innocent people were hanged because of the 
well, the the religious fervor and, and other things going on at that time. Spider-Man thought he could change that and save those people, but he didn't get there in time. So at the beginning of this story, he's really kind of down in the dumps about that. So he finally decides he's going to go back in time. And I never really understood how Dr. Doom's time machine worked. You know, I always kind of thought, well, I never, I mean, usually you would see someone stand, the time machine would go up, and then when they're ready to go back to where they were, the time machine will go down. Well, apparently it works like a giant surfboard, you know, that rides the waves and ripples of time. Because Spider, you know, the, when Spider-Man jumps on the time machine, then you see him, like, sitting on it like it's a, 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 an errant, or a, an errant toboggan, I guess, that he's, he's, he's snow, snowboarding, you know, on a toboggan, you know, and it's taking, the, the time machine is going through all these ripples and waves of time, uh, you know, and he overshoots his own time and he winds up see, you know coming into the the vast the the, the far off future of 2019 um and there's ooh 2019 i know the far far <laughs> far future you know and he meets kill raven now kill raven is another 70s 70s character um kill raven uh started uh, in um, uh, another one of those Marvel, you know, like Amazing Adventures. There are all kinds of them, you know, mm-hmm. where, where Marvel would uh, feature characters that didn't have their own magazines or they would try out new characters on them. And Kill Raven, the whole idea behind that was the Martians, the Martians, <laughs> back when we actually thought maybe there were Martians, H.G. Um, <laughs> Wells' original novel in this actually happened the martians invaded around the turn of the century and then in the far off future of 2001 uh the martians the martians <laughs> the, the martians i mean you got to you know you th- think about it. 1976 you know nobody thought com- i mean really nobody thought comics would last this long i don't think any of those guys thought they'd be writing comics reading comics <laughs> that long we really didn't i mean so it's fun you you know you pick on it now but I mean, when I was 12 years old, to me, 2001 might as well have been 3001, 4001, you know, because 2001 meant that I was going to be a 38-year-old man, probably married and having kids. And trust me, at 12 years old, that was the farthest thing from my mind, <laughs> you know, and, and then I would have a website called Spidey Kicks Butt. Anyway, um, but anyway, in this 2001, the Martians returned, invaded Earth, and this time they conquered Earth. Uh, Kill Raven was a kid who was captured by the Martians. The Martians would either eat you or they 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 you know train you for their gladiator games. Kill Raven was a gladiator. He escaped and then he led a band of resistance fighters who fought the Martians and their human underlings during the course of this, this series in Amazing Adventures. And he's that series was canceled. Although Kill Raven has been one of those characters that's always kind of hung around the edges. And actually, yeah. he recently reappeared. Um, but I'll, I'll get back to that. <clears throat> The story's a big disappointment because Spider-Man and Kill Raven <laughs> defeat these tripods, which are actually manned by Martians. They're manned by they're manned by humans, you know. And then as Spider-Man and Kill Raven start commiserating because Kill Raven says, "Well, this is 2019," you know, and Spider-Man's saying, "Oh shit!" You mean this is the future I got to look forward to, you know? Uh, and then the, I thought I'd be working at Horizon Labs. Exactly. <laughs> you know, in after after looting. After losing my job at Tricorp, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, so as they're sitting commiserating, then these guys, these like, I guess, humans, they must be humans. They, they come and gas them. Okay. And they're going to take them to their Martian overlords. And meanwhile, the rest of the story is Kill Raven and Spider-Man each having a hallucinogenic dream. Kill Ravens is meeting some woman that he knows called <clears throat> Volcana Ash. Uh, was, I didn't make that up. Her name is Volcana Ash, and she has red hair. Okay. Does she have a great ash? And she's no, but she oh. is hot. Te- she is hot tempered. Uh, no. Not a anyway, Spider Man's dream is the Green Goblin is attacking, and after the Green Goblin says all kinds of things about what a loser, failure you are, and Spider Man clobbers the Green Goblin and unmasks him. He finds out it's not Norman, it's not Harry, it's Mary Jane. You know. <laughs> Mary Jane is the goblin. Mary Jane is the goblin, and you know, wow. basically, she says the typical thing: "Haven't you failed everybody in your life?" And you know, Spider-Man smack, you know, you know, in, in, in a prelude to the clone, smack, yeah, in the prelude, prelude to the clone saga, you know, oh. he smacks her, uh, and of course, uh, damn, Spider-Man smacked the yeah. bitch. <laughs> and and while he smacks her, then Kill Raven stabs Volcana Ash. And in the as it tur- <laughs> as it turns out, it breaks the hallucination because oh. they beat up or killed the bad guys. It breaks the hallucination. 
And, you know, Spider-Man says, well, that does it. I guess I'll just hop back on the magic surfboard and go back to my own time. Um, <laughs> just back to my future wife. Yeah. And um, this oh, was – and, and, and the thing is, though, next issue, Spider-Man doesn't get back quite to his own time. He still – he goes back in the past, but it's still his future as he meets Deathlock in the year 1990. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, but, Are there clones? But, but, but this issue was yeah, this issue was a disappointment because honestly, I was a huge War of the Worlds fan. The 1953 movie with Gene Barry, uh, yeah. which is a, I mean, obviously like all 1950s sci-fi movies, it's kind of hackneyed and corny now, but it's still a classic of the genre. It was an amazing movie for its time. It's one of my all-time favorites. Uh, I really hated Kill Raven and what they had done with War of the Worlds as a concept. And But what I also hated is they sent Spider-Man to this potentially interesting future, and basically all they have him do basically is use the bathroom. You know, like when you're driving on the <laughs> interstate, you know, and you say, hey, there's a McDonald's, i got to go pee. You know, you go pee and you get back on the interstate. And essentially that's what Spider-Man <laughs> does. You know, he goes on, you know, he goes into this future, you know, where Earth is invaded by Martians. He takes a piss. He gets back on the flying surfboard and goes back, you know. So really the, 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 it, was, it was kind of a disappointment and really just a, a, an overlong advertisement for uh, Amazing Adventure. Adventures. But, you know, it's Marvel team up in the 1970s. It was what it was. Exactly. You don't have to talk about this one, JR, but also came out this month as Spidey Super Stories number 16 with a great cover by John Romita Sr. of Spider-Man swimming in the water with a giant Jaws looking up at, coming up at him like the homage to the um, uh, Spielberg film. So You know, Spidey Super Stories... Uh, even yeah. though it was obviously, you know, meant for children, uh, it had some pretty clever covers. I mean, don't th- didn't they have yeah. like another one where they're uh, man and I forget what female character, but they're riffing the original Star Wars movie poster, and Doctor Doom is is in the his face is in the position of Darth Vader. Um, well, that could be. I, yeah. I, I think there there is a cover that's a riff on that. So it's that's funny. Yeah. So good or a bad month, Jr. You know, obviously these were pretty corny stories. I mean, particularly 156, but, you know, they were enjoyable for what they were. This is tying in, what I just found the cover you're referencing. This ties into what you just said. Guess who the girl is with Spider-Man in the Luke Skywalker pose? Ding. Moondragon is... (laughs) Moondragon, I just put a link in the the chat window. That's Moondragon with Doc Ock as Doc Doom in the back. There you go, And and one more thing on the... Doc Doom as Darth Vader. Yeah. As Darth Vader, yeah. And one more thing on the Kill Raven, actually, thing is actually this story... Uh, I referred to it actually in my, uh, I think it was in one of my alternate Spidey series. I think it was this issue, Spidey Dies, I'm not sure. But... Marvel eventually took all these alternate futures because, you know, you had the Guardi- original Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff, and they were in the year 3015 fighting the Badoon. Well, Marvel took all these alternate histories and essentially at least made them into, like, one alternate future where, like, Kill Raven and the Guardians happened in the same – of course, that got all shot to hell once 2001 came and went and so many things else. But uh, But actually, in the Guardians of the Galaxy, the – Guardians go to Mars, find the old, find a Martian museum dedicated to the old Marvel superheroes that they slew when they conquered Earth, and there's a whole wing dedicated to Spider-Man because he was the last to fall. So you know the Martians had, uh, you know the Martians had uh, respected him uh, to the point that they gave him a whole. Where wing. did he was the? Where did that storyline? Was that Guardians of the Galaxy? The, yeah, the book I think the it was Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume One, Number book. Fifty. Seven and it, ultimately, yeah. what they did was stupid. They, it was a subplot where Spider-Man's blood was taken and injected into a, another, you know, whatever. But, but the idea, though, that the Martians had devoted a, a wing of their museum to Spider-Man because he was the <laughs> final superhero to fall. Actually, I kind of like so that kind of ties into yeah. this. Okay, so. tackling message board questions. Proto Goblin. Chat window. Did I what? Chat window. Oh, you want to do recommendations now? Yeah, because I'll, I'll, I'll be heading out in a minute. You got, you got to go. Okay. Recommendations. Donovan, your recommendations, sir. Okay. Um, Brad, are you watching Young Justice? No. You really should. And everybody, everybody else should, too, because, like, that show uh, it started a second season, like, last week, and it kicks major butt. Um, I, I, uh, I, I thought it started off, the, whole, the series started off slow a bit, 
But, like, by now, it's really, really picked up. It's really, really good. They have a lot of new characters. There's a time skip, which people are a little iffy on. But I think it's really cool. Uh, Stella and I watch it. Like, I mean, <laughs> we don't live together, but, like, like we text about it, and we're both really excited <laughs> about Like, uh, they have Batgirl in there now. They have Tim Drake Robin. They have other characters. They have obscure characters. They have Silver Age characters. They have 90s characters. And, like, it's just a lot of fun. It's easily the best DC cartoon since Justice League Unlimited. And, like, seriously, everybody should uh, go check that out. No Justice. Awesome. Awesome. Is it better than Ultimate (laughs) Spider-Man? By a whole lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Any other recommendations, sir? Um, I recommend everybody else enjoy the rest of the podcast because I am... Gotta go. He is bowing out. This college graduate is hitting the bricks to look for a job right now. Yeah, <laughs> and party with grandma, as JR's like to say. That's, that's, that's where I'm going. I need to pick up. All right, man. <laughs> We're proud of you. Thanks, buddy. Thank you very much. Y'all have fun. Bye. Adios. Peace. Bertoni, recommendations. Uh, I'm going to recommend it again because, you know, we had a very, very abbreviated, you know, help, you know, the podcast is on fire. Do your recommendations and get out segment last time. Um, I recommend blenders because you can all hear that, right? That's loud. Yes, indeed. We recommend recording podcasts at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I recommend getting along with you know the females in your life so that you can record at their Wi-Fi houses and not have to go to Starbucks. <laughs> um, I recommend Bertoni Beetle Bonanza, my podcast, which is back, and we've done nine episodes since we've been back. You know, weekly podcasting. Uh, been able to churn them out, and it's been. It's been uh, really good and interesting. I'm writing a Wings book uh, that's about Paul McCartney's second band, and I've been doing a lot of research for that. And, I mean, a lot of the research material that I'm recommending won't mean anything to you unless you're a Beatles freak, but I got this book called Eight Arms to Hold You, the Solo Beatles Compendium. It came in the mail last night, and it is, like, very, very exhaustive and extensive in all the material that they include. I've been, like, pouring through that thing. So that's my recommendations. Uh, Chris? What do you well, recommend, sir? Any recommendations? Uh, let's see. What what comic books have I been reading lately? I I liked the um from a couple of years back the Annihilation series from Marvel and its mm-hmm. sequel Annihilation Conquest. I just got through the Annihilation Conquest Star Lord uh mini series and I thought that was really really good. Um and I know that that a lot of the members of the team from that book become Guardians of the Galaxy and the ongoing series that follows it, so I'm excited to keep going with the the cosmic branch of the Marvel Universe. Um, people who like maybe uh, Green Lantern on the DC side, that their sort of cosmic universe might like the Marvel version of that sort of area too, um, so people should check that out if they haven't. Um, I've uh, started going through the Walt Simonson Thor run, which mm. um, I'm only like maybe six or seven issues into that, but it's pretty darn good. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I'm uh, going trying to catch up with the uh, Peter David X Factor current run. Um, mm. I just got past the part where uh, Layla Miller comes back from the future. Uh, I'm really enjoying that series, too. It's um, awesome. So, you know, stuff from a little while back, I, I read most of uh, comic books in trades now, so I'm usually behind the, the curve, but uh, all that stuff is stuff that I think people should check out yeah. if they're Marvel fans. That's cool. Uh, Zach, recommendations, sir. Well, I, uh, first of all, I think the last time I did recommendations, Ava was born, so... Um, <laughs> so two years ago, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, I got a whole bevy of them. I got a couple TV shows. One, I'm going to second Young Justice. Uh, I, I've been watching that, like it a lot. I, I, I really got into it post-San Diego after, you know, talking with some of the guys and stuff like that. So uh, definitely a show to check check out, even if you're not a DC fan, it really does flow well, and, and uh, if you, it, you, you can quickly catch up on who the characters are. Uh, two, Fringe. They just got renewed for a fifth season. It's, it's uh, going to have a shortened 13-episode season, but if you haven't tried this show out, I hope it can co- it'll come out on Netflix this summer. 
but it's a really, really fun show. Uh, definitely one of the, the best science fiction shows to come out in a long time, probably since Battlestar Galactica. Um, so really enjoying that. Comic books, uh, there's, if you're a fan of Smallville, there's a new, it's going to be digital first, but it'll come out in, in regular format later. Uh, Smallville season 11. Uh, I, as I alluded to earlier in the show, I, I've been kind of starting to pick up some comics via digital uh, Comicsology app. Uh, you can get it on your iPhone, Android, or uh, iPad. Or uh, if you have an Android tablet, you can also use that too, um, which gets me to my next point. But anyway, it's a very, very fun uh, little app. Uh, it, and it's only nine, it comes out like three weeks out of a month, and it's 99 cents a, a pop, and it's about 20 pages each time, I think. So it's, it's not like a, it's not like you're getting a third of a book. You are, you are actually getting, uh, a lot of, uh, meat and potatoes to it. So it picks up right where, uh, Smallville left off. Um, and then, let's see, uh, the other big story, I just now caught up on it, it's called, uh, if you're a fan of the Young Avengers, uh, series, you've got the Avengers Children Crusade, the Children's Crusade, and it's probably one of my, uh, become one of my favorite collected editions. It's, uh, it's good. I, it's a very good, good series. Um, it does everything very, very well, and it ties really kind of starts tying into, uh, the current X Men versus Avengers arc. Now, that gets me, uh, with all that, I, I've not only been reading it on my iPhone, but my parents each got uh, the Kindle Fire. And uh, the Kindle Fire is made by Amazon, but it runs Android, a version of Android. It's a very, very nice tablet. And it's not, it's not as ex- nearly as expensive as an iPad. Uh, if you've read, you know, uh, read books on, like, Kindles, like I read JR's book. On my, that was the first book I bought on my, on my regular Kindle. Uh this is actually a pretty good little app, and the Comixology app I think works a little bit better on the uh, on the Kindle than it does on the iPhone. But uh, really, really cool. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, and if you're in the market for a tablet, you can't really go wrong with uh, Kindle. It's a really good price. It's only it's only uh, one ninety nine, um, and I'm sure that if you wait till Christmas, it'll go down to like one hundred and forty bucks because <laughs> that's what they're cool. that's what they're prone to do. So definitely check that out. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, you haven't done recommendations in a long time, come think of it, because it's yeah. usually at the end of the show, of the recording <laughs> session at least. Yeah, exactly. JR, what do you recommend besides the Avengers? Well, uh, actually, I was busy here writing this check out to Zach for mentioning uh, me and the uh, Web Slinger book. Uh, but uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so here's a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait wait about seven days to cash it before I get paid again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, obviously, yes, the Avengers. Um, but I'll make this quick since I think I've I've used up my allotted words for the next two or three podcasts. But uh, I don't have HBO at home. But I was traveling, and uh, I was a- so I was able to see the movie Game Change, uh, which was uh, based on a book about the 2008 uh, presidential campaign. Uh, the movie itself just focuses on the uh, whole controversy with the McCain Palin ticket and the selection of Sarah Palin as vice president. Now. Um, to start, I mean, I, as far as politics, uh, you know, first of all, I would not have voted for John McCain if his running mate were Jesus, uh, because, <laughs> because there was a lot of people that felt that way. Well, oh it, I, I belong to no political party. I hate them both. But John McCain, John McCain was a member of the Keating Five, a group of five senators who decided to gang up on the thrift regulators because they were mistreating his their buddy. Um, uh, Charlie Keating, who wound up, by the way, looting a thrift and costing a lot of people their life savings. John McCain was one of the guys sticking up for the scumbag. So I would never have voted McCain. So the selection of Sarah Palin was, it really, in a way, meant nothing to me. I didn't pay attention to it because I wouldn't have voted for him. Okay, but that said, this is a really good, well-acted movie. Now, I have a hard time believing that Palin was this stupid. I would believe she was arrogant, narcissistic, you know, self-righteous, self-indulgent. I would believe all that. I have a hard time believing she's as stupid as they portrayed her. But Julianne Moore does, I mean, you still feel sympathy for her, even though the entire movie is dedicated around the idea that this, was, that this woman was an idiot. 
you actually feel sympathy for her in a few spots because of the way Moore handles it and the way Moore handles a couple of really key scenes where Palin is just so clearly overwhelmed by everything that she's getting and having to take in. And it's like, I think we've all been there where we're like in, at some point in life where we go, oh, my God, I can't do this. I can't do this. So it's just it's great acting. Woody Harrelson does a marvelous job as McCain's campaign manager. You know, because everybody knows that Woody Harrelson is like a real flaming liberal, but he plays a Republican campaign manager, and he does a really good job as, as this guy trying to hold everything together after this vice presidential choice has spun out of control. Uh, and you really, and, and if you think about it, you realize that even though it makes Palin kind of the bad guy, the problem really, I mean, these political consultants are just as guilty as her because they obviously don't live in the real world either. You know, <laughs> I mean, if they thought that, you know, they could manipulate it to where this was going to fly. But beyond all that, it, it's really a, a well-acted. I mean, if you'd like to see good acting and people really inhabit characters, this is this is a good – it's a really well-acted movie. It's very interesting. If you have a chance to see it, game change. Cool. Anything else, Jerry? No. Jerry, I was going to piggyback on that on that recommendation. My only my only kind of gripe with the, the the movie and the book is that they only focused on the Republican side. When the book, from what I and I have not, I've read little excerpts, but it focuses on both both campaigns, yes, not yeah. just the Republican side. So right. I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of of what the the our current president's campaign was like. And get that little bit of that peek behind the curtain. But if it's as well acted as you say, then I I, I might enjoy it, despite my misgivings over the overall well, bias. Yeah. And, and there, apparently there was it even touched on some of the John Edwards stuff, which would now make a really good movie. No, oh, no doubt. No so, doubt. And, yeah, that, yeah. That's that's the thing. It's not, and, and this is one reason why I don't like biopics in general because it's obviously so biased. It's not really an attempt to be fair. So if you're looking for fair, yeah. this is not it. But if you just enjoy you know, and Ed, Harris, and Ed Harris makes John McCain likable, which, like I said, I can't see. <laughs> I, 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 and I, well, don't like, I don't like John McCain, but if you just want to see good actors who are good at their craft, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I, I would say definitely, definitely watch this movie. Yeah. My recommendations, two TV shows and two comic books. First one is an NBC show called Betty White's Off Their Rockers. This show is freaking hilarious. It's like Candid Camera for the 2012s. Uh, it's basically the plot is old people make fun of young people, which I love. It's like this podcast every month. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it's, a really, it's really a funny show. It's on, I think, Wednesdays about 7 o'clock, so check out that show. Uh, on my DVR for over a year has been Game of Thrones. And I, my wife and I just started that one. We're on episode 3. Uh, how the second season's already on, and we're recording that too. But uh, like that one a lot. It's like, what if Lord of the Rings was a weekly TV show? Um, comic book wise, I read one that uh, I think if you're a fan of Ben Grimm, you might cry a little bit. Fantastic Four number six oh five, written by uh, Jonathan Hickman, wrapping up his run, penciled by a Spider-Man artist, Ron Garney, who did that great. Kingpin Spider-Man fight back in the day. Uh, this one is just awesome. 605. Check that one out. It's the last part of the Forever storyline. And that, that he's going out on a high note. He's had some really, really highs and a little bit of lows, but I think he's going out on a really good run. Uh, also, a book that nobody in this show has talked about, and we've been recording for almost four hours. Um, Avengers vs. X-Men. I'm digging it a lot. John Romita Jr.'s art is back. I think it, it reminds me of uh, what he was penciling when he was doing Amazing Spider-Man, etc. I think he, he was a little bit rushed when he was doing the regular uh, Avengers title. That timeline storyline wasn't that great either. But uh, Avengers versus X-Men, I'm re I really, I've read issue one, I've ish read issue three. Or issue two, I'm sorry. haven't read three, and I'm digging both of them. Okay, so I've lost Chris and I've lost Zach, huh? Chris is feverishly writing in our little window here, so... I know. And Josh, I got you still. I was about to say, hey. Avengers vs. X-Men, let me hey, guess. Brad, can you hear me? Here. No. Yeah, I can hear you, Josh. Can you hear me, Brad? Brad, 
Brad, Brad, Brad. Yes, Zach. It says I'm still I'm connected to you. Now I'm connecting to Chris. Where are you saying, JR? No, I, I was just going to make a snide comment about Avengers versus X Men. Let me guess. The plot is X Men feel picked on, pick fights. You know, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, my, my biggest issue with this story, and I've read all. I've read Brad. I've read uh, through issue three. Is yeah. Captain America the raving jackass? In this? It's like they took the personality of Stark from Civil War and put it in, in Captain America. And, and, I, I don't that, know. I, 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 I think – anyway, we'll get into that later. Read, okay, the, after you read – talk interest, to me after you read. Read issue okay. three, Brad. Okay, I haven't read three, so he might be a jackass in that one. Yeah. Let's plow through the message board questions. Uh, let's see here. Helps if I have them open. I had them open a second ago. Here they are. Who? What's Chris, I got you back, buddy. Yeah, here I am. Okay, cool. All right, tackling message board questions. Proto Goblin, BD, who do you like seeing Spidey team up with more, Daredevil or the Human Torch, and why? Also, any guests planned for the future? Uh, no guests that that I've already mentioned in the past. Nothing new has progressed on that. Daredevil or the Human Torch? I I think I like Daredevil. I mean, I'm sorry, I like Human Torch more than Daredevil, mainly because I like my my heroes with a little bit of sense of humor. And I think uh, the Human Torch and Spidey bounce off a little bit more. Daredevil is more of the straight man. Daredevil works in a good dark Spider-Man story generally, such as uh, the Gene DeWolf story. So that's my fave. Zach, what are your some Spidey eras besides the Clone Saga that you like? I really like the uh, post-Clone Saga pre-reboot era. I thought there was some really fun stories. I mean, like Norman Osborn taking over the Bugle. Uh, was one that was one of my particular favorites. Uh, um, I really like um, the late '80s, early '90s. I mean, it was kind of it, it is kind of goofy and very very '90s. But uh, I love the 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 way they brought the parents back before they became robots. After Michelini ran out, officially ran out of ideas to do what to do with them. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I really enjoyed that whole uh, Harry Osborn as the Green Goblin. Bit and, and all that stuff, and just the post-marriage, pre-clone saga era is really kind of fun for me. I like the '70s clone saga a lot. I mean, I'm sure he's, he was referring to the '90s clone saga, which is, of course, but uh, yeah, I really enjoyed all of those uh, those eras. And I mean, you can't go wrong with the, the early Spider-Man stories between the Romita, Dicko, Lee. Yeah. Stuff. I mean, it's always good. The, the post Clone Saga really did have some good stories. I would agree, especially in the adjectiveless Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, Jr. Do you remember what your reaction was back in the day when Norman Osborn stepped out of the shadows in Amazing 418 to reveal that he was still alive and the true mastermind behind the Clone Saga? Oh yes, I vividly remember it. Uh, I remember thinking, abs- yes, but I had already figured it out. So it wasn't, uh, it was more a confirmation, like any good American, I made up my mind what it was going to be, and then I went back and, dis- and used all the evidence that supported my position and discarded whatever didn't, evidence didn't support my position, and uh, so I had figured out that Norman was back, and, but, but I was still thrilled, thrilled to see him back, and when I first got uh, Peter Parker 75, Revelations, uh, that battle, I... I forget how many times I read it. I just, uh, I was in heaven. It, it, it was a good book. I was ticked at the time. I thought it just uh, hurt the ASM 121 and 122 too much. But eh, I, I've since amended my opinion. I think it, he's one of the best to come back, etc. Bertoni, does Spider-Man Unlimited ever not reek of epic fail during the Clone Saga. Also, have you and Zach ever realized that in Blood Brothers Part 2, Ben Riley essentially stops Batman from being created? Flip through that issue and you'll see what I'm talking about. And I meant to flip through that before we recorded, but uh, I've had the week from heck, so uh, never did that. But I'll, I'll be sure to check that out before the next episode, if I'm reminded. We will um, Spider-Man... Spider-Man Unlimited, that uh, Doc Ock story, like I mentioned a while back, was good. Pre-Clone Saga, though, he says during the Oh, okay. There, got um, it. It, got, it got better towards the end. Like, I remember um, that one issue. I, I mean, it's Unlimited was basically, like, if all the 90s comic tropes were usually in Unlimited, that was the book that had, like, the most imagey artwork after the McFarlane and Larson left. And, it's, and, and because it was longer, um, they had to fill it in with, like, lots of social issues. Like, you know, there was, like, two or three issues where it was, like, protect the homeless people, you know, hobo rights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hobo rights and, like, burning homeless people alive. Hobo rights, my goodness. Yeah, there, I mean... 
there was uh, probably my favorite unlimited issue was the uh, the Black Cat Ben Riley team up in Unlimited. Uh, that appears in the epic book number three, which if, if you all haven't picked those up yet, they're a little thinner than the uh, than the Clone Saga epic books, but they're uh, they're definitely definitely worth picking up. The, the, oh, the first two are kind of crap. And the, that was good, and the art was great, and the Ben Riley yes. Felicia Hardy uh, interaction was good. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, Chris, what would you consider to be the top three eras in Spider history? All right, I'll take this in chronological order. Uh, my top three would be the Stan Lee John Romita Senior era. Um, number two, uh, like um, Mr. Zach, I liked the late '80s and early '90s era um because of uh jm dematteis's run on spectacular spider-man craven's last hunt peter marrying mary jane uh the first carnage story um and i i like that this era sort of seemed like peter's evolution as a as a character um through his life sort of reached its zenith for a while because it seemed like what was coming after, like the Clone Saga and the reboot era, was trying to sort of do away with the character development that had happened by saying, you know, that happened to a clone or, you know, whatever the reboot did. It's too stupid to even talk about. Um, but, you know, the exception to that trend of going backwards is my third favorite era and that would be the um, JMS on Amazing Era with uh, Peter Jenkins on Peter Parker Spider-Man and Mark Millar on Marvel Knights Spider-Man. I thought these were all progressive stories, by which I mean they progressed the character of Spider-Man and his relationships rather than running in circles with them, which I feel like One More Day has got us back to. So yeah. those are my, my three. Abu Aziz from uh, Cajun Land in Westchester uh, has a more of a just a comment than a question. He says it's a big year for the crawl space. August marks the 50th anniversary of Spider-Man, and December will have the 200th episode of the podcast. If I keep pace of three a month, where I haven't done the math, I didn't know that 200 episodes coming out this year. Uh, he hopes that on the 200th episode that I bring the old cast backs, <laughs> Stella, Kevin, and Michael, and we review Amazing 193, which is the 200th month uh, since Amazing 15, Amazing 200, Spec 200, Iron Man 200, Hulk 200, Cap 200, Thor 200, and Avengers 200. Uh, I will take your suggestions, so thank you very much. R. Hagen from Conway County, New Jersey, Zach or Bertone. When will the new episodes of Clone Sire Chronicles be up on the iTunes feed, or is it downloadable from SpideyDude.com only from here on in? It's coming. Uh, <laughs> coming to iTunes. Um, we're, um, we're in a little... Uh, yeah, we're in a little pit fighting with this thing called... Um, not FTP. What's the thing that Brad taught me? XML. Yeah, we're fighting... XML, yeah. Actually, and, and we've gotten a lot of them up on the XML. We just got a few other dozens to, like, put in the code for, which uh, it took Brad a while to get his uh, yeah. his on there. So I'm hope. Uh, unfortunately with us, we worked our way backwards. Instead of putting the new episodes up first, like, you know, like Brad did, and then the old ones later, we right. we're putting them on in order. And for some reason, they're not showing up in order. So that's uh, that's another puzzling thing. But, yeah, check back. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll who do you think? Oh, go ahead, Zach. Uh, we'll definitely get that, and, uh, along with new episodes. Up who do you think most likely member of Spidey's supporting cast to die during the finale ends of the Earth? Mary Jane. Hit that up. Well, I don't get a vibe that anybody important is dying in this story because it's too stupid for something serious to happen. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> like, it's funny. She, like, uh, she will make an epic sacrifice. Like she will resume her sister son identity, join the Avengers, and like strike the killing blow for Doctor Octopus. TNR one hundred and five. His location is reading shitty comics. To anyone who's seen it, Avengers. We've already talked about uh, this one's to everyone. Do you think that there needs to be more communication between creators and Marvel when it comes to certain characters' status quo? For example, Black Widow's been guest starring in Ends of the Earth, but over in Winter Soldier, both her and Bucky are being are doing covert work in Russia. It seems a little bit silly. She can be doing undercover black ops across the world and help out against Ock at the same time. 
that's been a problem with Marvel forever. <laughs> yeah. It's like Wolverine. Well, well Spider-Man's also in the Fantastic Four and, and, and the Avengers. Oh, I mean, that was, that was going to be one of my recommendations, FF17. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the funny thing funny. is, that's why they didn't use, like, Venom in this, because he was off doing stuff in the Venom series. So, like, Slot <laughs> says, ah, well, Venom's busy, so let's use Black Widow, who's not busy. Oh, wait. Let's see, the next one is more Black Widow talk. I guess it comes down to this more we've gotten to Reliant. Okay, that's a lot to read. Uh, Spider Venom from Bay Area, California. Question for the gang. Will any of you guys be getting the Amazing Spider-Man video game? And of the confirmed villains, what is your favorite? I'll be picking it up. I don't think for 60 bucks, but I'll wait until it's like uh, 30 uh, Zach, you going to pick it up? Uh, Bertoni, I know you have a brand new PS3. Which I've just been using for Blu-rays. I'm, I don't know I'll if I can afford. I've got like, a, what? What, Zach? Okay, Jr. I imagine your son will beat it by the time before he gets home to put it in the machine. Well, it depends <laughs> what game systems is it coming out on. I, I think all of them. Okay, I think we had PS3. Okay, if it comes out on if it comes out on we will get it probably. But I don't know who are the villains confirmed besides Lizard and Rhino. We've got, well, I don't think Lizard, I think it's Reptile, which is from that Specs Spidey story issue 30 issue. Oh, the Iguana? Oh, oh okay. The Iguana, I'm sorry, yeah. And no, also no, no. Rhino. We'll be in it too. Who? The Lizard. Okay, oh, Rhino. Yeah. And you've got Black Cat, is what ones I've seen so far. So. And we'll wrap the show up right about there. Before we go, I want to give another shout-out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. An example of their great prices is on the Spider-Man The Next Chapter Volume 3 trade paperback. This is continuing to reprint the Byrne and Mackie reboot from the late 90s. This one collects Amazing Volume 2, number 13 to 19, and Peter Parker Volume 2, number 13 and 19. Now, the highlight of this book for me is a great Spider-Man Hulk fight by John Romita Jr. Just beautiful artwork on that one. The cover price is $34.99. Mail order has it for just $21.69, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com.